Kaysan, and hello. Welcome to Nordic Insights, where I introduce you to high-achieving Nordics and Nordic-inspired people with niche expertise in business, lifestyle, education, innovation, tech, travel, and more. I'm your host, Satu Raunola, a Finn passionate about all things Nordic, as well as yoga, running, sustainability, well-being, and great coffee. Listen in for some tips on Nordic approaches to a happier and more holistic business and personal life. Join me to explore Nordic common sense and trends in this complex world. This podcast is delivered to you every Wednesday. Welcome back to Nordic Insights. Today I'm talking to two charming London-based Englishmen, Paul Wagner and Andy Fairburn. They have a very strong rack record working in Nordic travel and tourism sector over many, many years. In 2019, they established Nordic Tourism Collective, which is a collaborative tourism membership network connecting Nordic travel and tourism suppliers with international buyers worldwide. Their aim is to have a united voice in the region on key tourism issues such as sustainability and over-tourism. That's a big task. So how come two Englishmen are running a Nordic tourism body joining all five Nordic countries? Hmm, let's find out how they did it. Well, good morning, Paul and Andy. It's very nice to have you here as my guests all the way from London. So how are things in London at the moment? Delighted to uh, delighted to be with you. London is a glorious autumn morning with a little bit of sunshine, very still day. And uh, we, we've, we've got some uh, nice days ahead in terms of weather, apparently. A bit of an Indian summer coming. Lovely to see you. I am intrigued. How come two Englishmen are running an organization for the Nordic travel industry. So what's the story? Well, good morning, Satu. It's a lovely morning, as Paul says, here in London. That's a good question. What are two Brits doing? Um, Paul and I worked together for many years um, at an organization called Tumlar Corporation, which is one of the largest Scandinavian and Nordic um, inbound DMCs. And we both loved the area and both loved the region and we felt as though it was something that we wanted to do for ourselves. Um, We wanted to start a business where we would work exclusively in an area which we love so much. It seems a bit strange and a bit weird but I think that the fact that we're such advocates and such scandifiles is really is really is really what it's about. We just both love the area and we just want to do something for the area. Just to echo that 100%, uh, having worked so many years in the region and, and we're building up so many friendships and understanding the cultures and, and, and uh, the different landscapes in the region, it, it was just a no-brainer for us when we got together and said, come on, let's do something with, where we can have a little bit of a legacy in the region. And so it happened. I, I think it's um, also as a representing Scandinavian and Nordic travel industry i think it's great that you are neutral so there will be no politics involved so that's why you will get everybody on board so well done well we we when we started um we were a little bit concerned about this to be honest um 
because Paul and I had worked together for Tumblr Corporation. I was director of international marketing and Paul was director of international purchasing. So as a combination, we, we sort of fit, the, fit together very well. So we cover all the bases, so to speak. Um, so when we started the organization, the Tourism Collective, we were a little bit nervous by the fact that we were two Brits. Um, and in fact, it's worked out to our advantage because of exactly the reason that you say. Uh, we're not Norwegian, we're not Finnish, and we're not Swedish, and therefore we regarded with less scepticism and perhaps less fear than um, than we would be otherwise. Uh, I think if we were Norwegian or if we were Finnish, we would not have been able to present ourselves in such a neutral way um, and really achieve all of the support and the encouragement and the cooperation that we've, that we've actually managed to do. Yeah, that's great. And uh, both of you have a really long career in tourism industry and working with Nordics and, and a lot of experience. Can you, Paul, tell you a bit about your background and journey about your career? Yes, absolutely. I, I was lucky enough to work with you in the in the in the late eighties, early nineties, uh, when I started my journey uh, working for a well, what became a giant in the industry, Gulliver's Travel Agency (GTA), uh, and I was responsible for the for the procurement in in Scandinavia and the Nordics and Baltics. And um, I, I was there for four years, uh, working very much on procurement for the hotels. And then in 1993, I had the opportunity to join Tumla Corporation and, and open their London office, which I did and built up the, the, the UK market uh, and, the, and the British market to the Nordics and then went back into the procurement area and responsible for the purchasing for Tumla in the Nordics, in Baltics and in Russia for, for many years after that. Uh, and the, the journey lasted actually about 27 years Uh, working for for Tumla Corporation, and the company actually grew uh, organically as well, and uh, became a very much a European tour operation. So I, I I went from looking after the Nord exactly to the whole of Europe. But there was always always a focus and a passion for the Nordic region. So um, that that stayed with me from the beginning of the journey to the end in Tumla. That 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 really special relationship with the Nordics. Right, and how about you, Andy? Uh, I met. Uh, I I joined Tumla in ninety something or other. I can't remember where Paul and I. In fact, it was when we just opened the London office, and Paul and I shared an enormous office, and there was just the two of us sitting on one desk in this very empty office <laughs> in central London, just off um, High Holborn, and. Um, We were the very start of the sort of London um, uh, brigade, I guess. Um, Paul was in charge of, mar- of purchasing, as, as he said, and I was in charge of international marketing. And my role was to sell the Nordics as a whole to all of the international markets. So I had responsibility for all of the sales team in all of the origina- originating markets, which included every market in the world with the exception of Japan. Uh, so it was quite a big brief. It was quite a big area, and um, the company grew and grew and grew. Um, and then I was made. I was given an opportunity to uh, do something else for another company. So I moved on to an organisation called the Travel Corporation, which is obviously a very big concern in Australia um, that incorporates Trafalgar Tours and Insight and Contiki. Uh, and again, in that role, I was responsible for selling the Nordics. Moved on from there to Tui which is a lot, the largest um, tour operator in Europe, 
but all of the time, all of the, all the work I've been doing was really selling the Nordics and selling um, selling the area. So very familiar with the region itself and also what the originating markets such as Australia or New Zealand or the USA for that matter are actually looking for when they travel to the region. Right. And so the just recently your Nordic Tourism Collective was born. So what is Nordic Tourism Collective? Well, the Nordic Tourism Collective came uh, after quite a few um, pizzas and uh, meetings uh, over, a, over a bottle of beer or two in, t- in terms of trying to build uh, an organization and an association for the Nordic and Baltic tourism industry. And we thought that although the, the individual countries have done a fabulous job of promoting their countries worldwide, to, to, to the established and to the emerging markets, we felt that there was a, that there was a space in the, in the region to, to promote the Nordics as a region. So we came up with this idea of, of building up an association where people can join and become members and, and build up a network uh, of suppliers based all around the Nordic suppliers could mean uh, hotels, DMCs, DMOs, transportation companies, whatever, around the, the Nordic and Baltic region. And they would also have be, be part of a family which included buyers, operators, travel agencies who were interested in promoting uh, the Nordic and Baltic region. So we came up with idea, that idea um, had had many discussions and many uh, intense meetings in the British Library, figuring out how we were going to approach the the trade and the industry and how they would how they would react to two Brits knocking on their door and saying, "Come and join a Nordic family," and then it was born from there. So just to echo that, I mean, I'd just like to say that um, it's interesting, particularly looking at like looking at it from Australia's perspective um, and working for the Travel Corporation as well, is that. Although you, when you're living in the Nordics, you regard obviously Finland is a very separate country to Sweden, and Sweden is a very separate country to Norway, etc., etc. But when you're traveling such long distances from from um, Australasia, for example, the very notion of just going to Finland, perhaps for a week, is is not really an option. It is it tends to be an all inclusive tour, which includes many of the other Nordic countries, and therefore presenting the Nordics as a whole seemed to make sense to us. But we couldn't see that that was being done in any shape or form uh, by any of the tourist boards or any of the institutions who were working. They, 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 they would work perhaps in a bipartisan way. So maybe the Swedes would work with the Finns and the Norwegians would work with the Danes. But there was never a joined up organization where the whole region was presented as a single entity. And that's sort of really what started us thinking and what really started the th- thought process going. Yeah, I totally um, understand that. I, I'd been here many years working for the uh, Finnish Visit Finland or Visit Denmark, but we were never able to do it as as a as a region. So then, uh, working with uh, with the local wholesalers who were specialized in Nordics, that was the only way to do it. But um, totally agree. That's exactly how it should be. But how do you think Nordic travel industry trusts you to ugly ducklings? <laughs> <laughs> uh, very good question. Um, I, I guess that, that uh, our faces are familiar uh, in in the region uh, because we've been uh, working there and taking part in many 
business opportunities in our previous uh, positions. So uh, we're, we're well, pretty well known in the industry. Um, we build up a lot of friends there. Uh, it, all over the the, 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 the countries um, from Iceland to Lithuania. Uh, I think reputation was one. Uh, despite the ugly duckling faces, they could see that we had a kind of real passion and interest uh, and care for what was happening in the region. Um, and so our first part of our journey, when we, we told the tourist boards and the key players in, in, in the region about the collective and would they be interested in being part of this network and, and developing as a Nordic region, was very much to build up a case that, that, that we did really genuinely believe that the Nordics as a region and the Baltics as a region has something very, very special in the tourism industry. So that was our that was our mantra. That was our objective to to get people to 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 understand that whatever we look like, wherever we're from, we do have this real genuine passion to develop tourism, sustainable tourism in the region. So, what inspires you in in the Nordics? So you know, what is it that you find intriguing, and and, and uh, what's this? Kind of, you have a very special, both of you, a very special connection with Nordics. Uh, Paul, uh, well, I, mean, I just, for, for what it's worth, from having worked in different markets around the world and having worked with different um, suppliers and buyers and institutions and, and organizations in, in, in different markets, I do find the Nordics a very refreshing place to work. I find that the, their attitude to work is highly professional. Um, and I, but I do also find that they're also highly personable people, um, and they're very egalitarian. And I find that, and they're very honest, and they're very straightforward. And that's that. And and so and so, doing business in that environment is absolutely a pleasure. And I won't compare it with any specific other regions of the world. Um, but you, uh, if you tend to have a meeting, you tend to be very honest in the meeting and if someone says to you yeah we'll do that then it happens and that's not always the case uh, in other parts of the world shall we say <laughs> well can I, can I just uh, follow that up I think both of us feel very comfortable uh, dealing with all all the nationalities uh, that, that make up the Nordic region and we've built up genuine friendships real close relationships and there is something about the the people in the region that that they really value relationships, collaboration, etc. And our whole um, uh, concept of the Nordic Tourism Collective is collaboration and working together and building partnerships. And uh, so it, it was kind of a really really good fit. And and um, uh, the the place is very the places the cities are very cool. The countrysides are very different and very beautiful. Uh, the seasons are so diverse, and all that really inspires us to to do business there, as Andy mentioned. And we do it with enthusiasm and passion because we really we really love it. sounds all very nice and good and flowery and rosy what about how do you know it's challenge you it's all not rosy 
I'll tell you one thing that challenges us is the Nordic holidays. That's a big challenge. So the so, um, when we started, uh, the first challenge we had, I guess, as Paul intimated earlier, was that we had to establish ourselves as a credible organisation. Uh, so we, so who are these guys? What they're doing? What they're trying to do? And obviously, the idea that we're we're there to help and we're there to encourage and foster collaboration and cooperation was something we needed to communicate that, we needed to get that over, and we needed to make people understand what we were trying to do, build their trust, and let them understand what we're trying to do. So once we'd established that, we started along the road, and things were going very well. Uh, and so we had meeting after meeting, and we would talk after talk, and, and, and Zoom call after Zoom call, and we had started a sort of a... <clears throat> And momentum really, really starting. And people, oh, these these guys are doing really well. We should be working with these guys. Yeah, let's get this. And then suddenly, middle of June, it's the summer holidays. And everybody went on holiday. <laughs> and that was our biggest challenge in year one. And they sort of say, where is everybody? Everyone's on holiday. And we didn't hear from anyone until the end of August. And that was a big, big, big challenge. Yes, no, it, it does shut down, you know, definitely everybody goes to their summer, summer houses, etc. Nobody, you know, yeah. wants to talk to you. That's totally uh, understandable. What about anything else you can think of? Well, I think, I think that um, when, we, when we told our story and when we, uh, we were telling the position of the collective to the national tourist offices and the main players, they were kind of thinking, well, you know, what, what, what can you guys offer that, that we're not doing in our individual countries? And um, I think they realised that, that our position of bringing the Nordics together under one umbrella, so to speak, uh, was, uh, was an important and necessary uh, thing to do. But we, we also did have a little bit of a credibility uh, mountain to climb in terms of two guys that have been in the industry working there for a long time. What, what can you offer that we can't? And the first thing we did before we even went to the Nordics was we, we agreed a partnership with an organisation who have head offices in, in Brussels and London called the uh, European Tourism Association, ETOA. And we built up a partnership there. It's a very well-established uh, organisation representing the suppliers and buyers from all over Europe and all global markets. And once we had established that and we agreed with them that anybody that in the future joins the collective would automatically be a member of the European Tourism Association, and we had this real serious, well-established organisation behind us as a partner, then the conversations, and many of them had already worked and, and, and were, were in relationships with ITOA, then it became a little bit easier for the discussions to flow and, um, and move on from there. So some of the wars came down maybe a little bit quicker than they would have done. So we're, we're eternally grateful for that relationship, which actually we've built up very much uh, over the last six months as well. Mm, that's a very smart move on your before definitely you know creates great beauty for you guys now how do you perceive nordic model and thinking i mean all the nordic countries are, are a bit different but if you can kind of generalize few few things or trends how would you how would you describe them how are they different than say in many other western countries uh, who wants to take that paul do you want to take <laughs> <laughs> come on honesty Nordic, one of the Nordic things is honesty and truth and transparency well I, as, I, as I said earlier I think, I think one of the, some of the items that I, I highlighted uh, a, a moment ago are very true and that, that is 
that's what sets the Nordics very separately and very much apart and very much on top of many other uh, areas um, to do business. It's it's very honest, it's very open, it's very egalitarian. It's it's a refreshing area in which professionally to do work because you you, you know exactly where you stand with people um, and you uh, are able to um, once you've built their trust and once you've once you've actually sort of communicated your ideas. Uh, they're very responsive. They very they give you lots of support. They give you their feedback. They help you develop your ideas, um, and that's not necessarily something that will happen in other parts of the world. It re- it's really not, um, and it, it really is a two way a two way conversation when you have meetings with uh, with with the Nordics. Um, it's it's a very very different experience to dealing with um, certain other uh, sort of areas of the world for sure. Just to just to expand on that, fully agree. And, and you know, Andy and I are not particularly motivated by um, uh, you know fantastic cars and and um, uh, powerful uh, positions in organisations. Uh, we like to deal with anybody, whether they're a, a director of a company or they've just started a couple of days ago, uh, and and that kind of flat structure and the humble uh, attitude of the Nordics really really appeals to us. And I think. That is, a, is, is very different to many other parts of Europe and many other parts of the world. Very informal way of doing business. It's, it's, it's going back to this genuine and, and, and relationships and, and, and friendships. That really, really is key in the region. And, and we do feel very comfortable. And it's much easier maybe than, than, than we would find if we were to do a similar organisation in another part of Europe. Paul said we have... Um, we, we, we sort of launched a number of partnerships with key organizations as part of this whole this whole this whole process the first one was the, was the etoa who 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 are very closely also uh, in partnership with the etc which is the european travel commission and the european union etc etc and one of the organizations we, we we felt as though we wanted to get a little bit closer to was an organization called the nordic council so the Nordic Council is a sort of is a is a quasi political organisation with a rotating head of presidency. Um, I'm not quite sure. I think Iceland have it at the moment. Um, and the rotating head of presidency, and they 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 discuss pan Nordic issues on a political level. So they may talk about forestry, or they may talk about agriculture, etc., etc. It was a highly political organisation, and we sort of thought, well. It would be good if they actually talked about tourism on a on a, on a pan Nordic level, and in fact, we found out that there was someone actually who was responsible for looking at tourism on a pan Nordic political level, and this gentleman was based, or one of his senior 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 advisors was based in Copenhagen. So we managed, after a long time of, of very many emails and a few fo- fo- telephone calls, to have a meeting with the guy. So he said, "Come along to the to the to the." It wasn't the sort of it wasn't the palace in, in Copenhagen, but it was a very, very, um, a very, very impressive building on one of the canals in the almost opposite. In fact, it was opposite the the museum, I think, in the centre of centre of Copenhagen. He said, "Be there at eight o'clock or something, and I'll, I'll, I'll we can have a, a quick meeting in the morning." So Paul and I rocked up there, and the, all the doors were shut, everything was closed down, and we stood outside and looking around, wondering what what we were supposed to do. And this minister, he actually, to be fair, he's not a minister, but he's a very senior advisor in the, in, in the institution, rocks up on his bicycle in his jeans. 
and he says, "Hi guys," and he sort of so he parks his bicycle by the by the front door. He opened, unlocked the door. He went in. He said, "Who'd like a cup of coffee?" Went in, put the kettle on, made us two cups of coffee, and then we sat in and a meeting, and then had a highly professional. Uh, meeting where he gave us his advice, he gave us his support, he talked through our ideas, we went, we, we, we formed some sort of strategy as to how we should approach this, and then he said, thanks, great to see you, and off he went. And that was fantastic, and that's really the Nordics in a nutshell to me. It's it's it's, it's high high level of professionalism combined with a sort of certain degree of almost disregard for convention if you like it's or, or disregard for conservatism it with a little c yeah love that that's a great story now when we can talk about different Nordic countries and cultures, or five. So they are, there are a lot of similarities, but there are also quite big differences. So can you give some of your thinking or thoughts or observations about some of the countries and cultures, how they differentiate from each other? Yeah, I think, uh, I think as, as you said, there are similarities in, in, in certain ways, uh, and we've mentioned them, the, 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 the way they do business together and, and very informal and flat structure. But the countries themselves, the cultures themselves are, are also very different. And if you just look at the pure landscape of somewhere like Iceland or Greenland or Faroes uh, compared to uh, uh, the, the, the main areas in, in Sweden, Norway and, and uh, Finland, uh, are, are massively different. You've got the mountains uh, in, in Norway and Sweden. You've got the pretty much flat country of Denmark. Uh, you've, you've the, the 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 night and day, the 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 dark, the north, uh, or you could say the light, the north in the summer. Uh, massively different uh, in 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 between them. And um, what we what we find is that uh, every single country in the Nordics is very very proud of their own country and, um, th- and they really believe they are quite different in many ways uh, they make jokes about each other they make the the, the, the Danes and uh, always making uh, fun of, of their Swedish and Norwegian friends um, and vice versa the Finns get quite a little bit of, uh, of uh, flack as well in terms of um, being very dedicated very studious very introverted sometimes where the, the Swedes are, are very uh, probably a little bit more confident, uh, maybe a little colder, you could say, but, but more confident. Uh, Icelandics and the Danes maybe a little bit more like the Western European uh, people, a little bit more um, d- uh, down to earth in terms of the sense of humour. Uh, and and maybe the Icelandics would only take two or three weeks holiday where maybe the the, the Norwegian Swedes and Finns you wouldn't find them in a month uh, in, in July and August so um, that, and, and of course the languages uh, are Finland and and to a certain extent Iceland are very different whereas the others are, have um, uh, a, a lot of similarities and they can under, understand each other very well even though they use that opportunity that they don't understand each other when they need to but yeah <laughs> uh, uh, underneath it all even though the landscape and the cultures are very different there is a fundamental understanding that they are in the same region as Andy mentioned they are under the same sort of council of, of Nordic 
uh, ministers and, and, and political geographical area. And actually, they really quite respect and like each, un, un, uh, uh, each other underneath it all. I do agree. And, and, but also, I have to say, decision-making is quite different in each country. I mean, Finns make decisions very different than Swedes. I, I relate a lot to Danes, that I feel like my way of thinking, Danes way, Danes way of thinking, when it becomes business decision, is, is very, uh, very yeah. similar. No, I'd just like to say, if you're really interested in this, or if anyone, everyone, anyone listening is very interested in this, there's an excellent book, which is called When Cultures Collide. And I can't remember the author off the top of my head, but I'm, I'm sure if you Google it, you'll find it. But it's, it's a sort of, it's a business book, but it's really about how you conduct business in different countries. <clears throat> there's a whole section on the Nordics, and there's a whole section about doing business in Finland, or doing business in Norway, or doing business in Denmark, for example. And it's sort of, It, it's obviously full of generalizations because it has to be because that's the nature. But the thing about generalizations is that they generally tend to be true, and that's why they're called generalizations. Mm. Um, but the one thing I do remember from it is that the uh, the Finnish are very uh, very much more direct in terms of making decision making. But the person who the best person universally to hold a meeting or to to, to, the, to be a um, to be a committee. You know, to be a to a, a meeting coordinator is a Norwegian apparently, because the Norwegians uh, are very straight. They're very moderate. They can they can they can take different views of people. They can make this and they can make decisions relatively quickly. So anyway, if anyone's interested, it's a great book and it's a great read. But there you go. Thank you. I'll um, I look at, look it up and I'll put uh, put a link in the uh, <laughs> in the show notes. Yeah. Well, Norwegians are great uh, peace negotiators, so you know that definitely reflects to to do how they do things. So, do you have Nordic heroes? Uh, anyone that you think they're you know something that you admire and why? I, I've got a couple. Uh, I've got a couple of, of Nordic heroes. Uh, one is a little bit more famous than the other. One is just uh, a, a guy in our travel industry, in our tourism industry, who's actually a Dane. His name is uh, Hans Henrik Kjölby. Uh, and he decided that, 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 that living in Denmark, he was very passionate about tourism. He decided that the Baltic states is a really, really untouched and interesting uh, destination and region for, for global tourism. So he set up a, a company in, uh, with a head office in Riga in the uh, late 80s, early 90s called Via Hansa Tours and basically um, built up a, a fantastic business with opening offices in all three of the Baltic countries uh, to, to a very successful level and built relationships and, and developed the business and became a real uh, real flagship of how you should do business and, and um, quality of the programs, the quality of their operation was, was, was excellent. And then he decided um, as an entrepreneur to, to develop the destinations and he opened up in Russia, in, in Moscow and St. Petersburg. He even opened, and this one is just a classic, he even decided to open an office in Mongolia. And, and Mongolia being one of the places least, least um, visited uh, uh, and very probably the most difficult places to do business. But he managed to build relationships find somebody there that could could handle it and to, to have a, some kind of minimal operation in Mongolia and, and to have that on your portfolio was just uh, was just uh, uh, awe-inspiring for, for, for me um, 
So but having built this uh, fabulous team up, I think about 100 staff uh, across the region in Poland as well, he decided to um, have an alliance with one of the leading Nordic Scandinavian operators, Borealis, and they, ne- they merged uh, a couple of years ago and, and have this Via Hansa Borealis organization, which is really a high-end, top-class DMC in the region. And he's always somebody that has time for everybody, uh, whether whatever you are in the business, whether you, he's somebody you would turn to and say, uh, Henrik, have you got have you got a couple of minutes? Uh, I've got a situation. Can you help me? He always has time for people. He always cares for people. He's very very good to to, to work for. His team have been there forever. Unfortunately, Corona has uh, uh, has made things a little bit tricky, but they will ride this absolutely no problem. But um, he always inspired me as somebody as how to build up a tourism organization in in in, uh, in the Nordic and Baltic region. He's one of my heroes. The other one is a little bit uh, better known, Ingemar Stenmark, who is from the countryside in 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 in, in central Sweden, and um, had a skill that he was, uh, found himself uh, living near the mountains, that he could ski a little bit and, and slalom quite well and worked extremely hard to become uh, a very good slalom skier. And then uh, the story unfolds that he becomes the best skier in the world, possibly and arguably the best slalom skier of all time. But he never uh, sought the, the lights and the glamour and, and the glory of being a celebrity. He never forgot his roots he um, never wanted to really enjoy doing long interviews and having the paparazzi after him. And uh, he, he, he always stayed very humble and genuine, which is one of the qualities we talked about before. And he went back to his roots and, and he still lives in, in the region where he grew up. He still has the same friends. He never really changed from when he became a world superstar and and um i'll never forget i had the the, the fortunate opportunity to um be invited by a by a, a hotel chain in sweden to to ski for a couple of days and he came with us and he was just a normal normal guy everybody down the slope w- would see him uh and would go oh my god that is ingemar stenmark but he was just a normal guy it, it just wasn't interesting that you're famous He's a real mm, hero. That's a nice story. Andy, do you have heroes, Nordic heroes? I, I, I don't think so. I think I, I just I don't have a hero as such. I guess if I had to, if I had to nail my colours to the mast, I'd have to say Bjorn Borg, uh, because I was a, I was a tennis. I, I still play a lot of tennis, and he, he was as I was a, as a kid, he was my hero because he had sort of long, cool hair. He was like he was the. He was the cool guy. He looked. He had old girls following him around. He was. He just. He, he didn't get emotional. He just. That used to. Apparently, he had a resting. Apparently, Bjorn Borg had a resting heart rate of twenty six. Um, so I was told he was super super fit, and he just had everything going for him. He was good looking. He was. You know, he won five Wimbledon's on the trot or whatever it was, um, and he inspired me to play tennis as a child. And and I guess if if there is a hero. But I've met so many Nordic people over the years who, in their own individual quaint ways, have inspired me and and really sort of I've just found, as Paul says, their support and their and and their help and their and their uh, willingness to provide time to just 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 help you with things. It's it, it's just really really lovely and uh, and and that's one of the reasons that we that we're doing this today. I have to say, I was totally in love with Bjorn Borg. 
<laughs> and uh, I was obsessed with him. And uh, I once actually saw him live in Stockholm. In he he was he was doing some kind of promotional thing in uh, Orleans for the, the department store. And I just read it from the newspaper, and I just run there. And then I was there with a the friend, and my friend said, "Well, go and ask, and you know, autograph." And I was so frozen, but you know, with fear that um, I couldn't even go and ask his autograph. Actually, I, I did see him lie once, but yes, he was my big club when I was a teenager. Satsu, yeah. Satsu, can we can we turn the tables for yes. just for one question? Who's your Finnish hero? Ooh, <laughs> there's so many. Well, uh, God, uh, no, you totally threw me off. I have to say, um, yes. Well, I have to say that I do admire Finnish designers, and and I think you know somebody like Alvar Aalto is. I'm such a huge fan. He's such a, a brilliant master of of design and everything what he did. So, I mean, there are so many others, but I think I would say now Alvar Aalto definitely is one of those. Mm. One of those people that I really admire. You know, I have like 10 Aldovasas at home and I have a big poster of him on my, uh, actually in my bedroom. Uh, we were doing here when I was with Visit Fina, we were doing big Alvar Alto anniversary promotion. So funny question. I haven't thought about it actually. Now, if we think about Nordic Tourism Collective, if you need to say three things that you bring value, first of all, for Nordic travel industry, and but also like the suppliers globally. What what would they be? Opportunity, cooperation, and sustainability. Something like that. Off, off completely off the top of my head. Yeah, I, I, I was bringing putting sustainability uh, in the forefront for everything that's to, that's going to happen to Nordic tourism in the future. We feel very lucky to be involved with that and. Um, the fact that we're going through this um, this pandemic at the moment and uh, uh, everybody's retreating a little bit and, and the industry is changing before our very eyes, uh, that that is 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 one thing that uh, we cannot avoid and it's it's a, it's a very tough situation at the moment. But sustainability, mark our words, will be the number one issue in the tourism industry uh, when we start getting towards recovery and the Nordics and the Baltics are in the prime position to showcase and be the beacon uh, of, of how uh, sustainability will look in the future and to be part of that tourism uh, angle on sustainability is very very exciting for us and, and we're, we're in discussion with many partners on, on how we can how we can um, showcase this and and we do plan to, to have events and um, uh, activity to really drive this sustainability notion uh, and and the region very much in the future. I think one of the things, the interesting things, is the is is the very notion. What we found working with with the Nordics over over the last year and a half, um, and certainly now as well as we're in the in this in this terrible situation we're currently in, is the notion of the collaboration has become much more wide wide world understood and accepted as a as a business proposition. So I, I trained initially as an economist, um, and so. Uh, and then went on to business, the business studies, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But one of the key um, uh, mantras in in business is this notion of competitive advantage. So you have to do something better or different to your competitor in order to to create an advantage that you can sell your product 
at the disadvantage of your competitor. That's competitive advantage. It's a very straightforward economic concept. That seems to be almost like becoming passe now. And I think that the, that the new byword or the new, the real way that the world, the business world is now starting to think, which is exactly on the lines of what we're proposing and what we do with the collective is the notion of collaborative advantage. And the collaborative advantage notice is that the idea that by working together, you can achieve more as a collaboration than you possibly can as an individual on your own. And I think that sort of that's a summary of what that really in a nutshell is what we're trying to do. Uh, we're trying to get people to, to work together in collaboration to achieve um, objectives and to create opportunities and to to um, to move 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 the whole area forward in areas where they would actually be physically unable to do that on their own because they just they just couldn't. And sustainability is a good example. You can't be sustainable on your own. Everybody has to do it. It has to be a joint thing. So everyone has to unite and everyone has to work together to achieve any notion of sustainability. Um, so anyway, that, that, so I think, I think collaboration, cooperation, sustainability is really, is really sort of sums up what we're about. And, and all those are, are, are connected to the word partnership. And, and w- w- we mentioned our, our partnership with ETOA, but we've, we've, we're lucky enough to have built up partnerships with many, the NTOs, the National Tourist Offices in the region, the key players in the region, and many other associations, uh, who, be it uh, focusing on sustainability, uh, EU issues, um, uh, whatever, whatever, we're, we're building up partnerships with PATA in Asia, uh, with, with the USTOA. And the, we're, we're trying to build up partnerships because we believe that the, the bigger the network, the closer the partnerships you have in this industry, the more chance we'll, we'll have to succeed in our, in our key mission of driving business and opportunity to the region. So this, this collaboration, as Andy alluded to, and partnerships is what the collective is all about. Well, couldn't could not agree more. I totally agree with you. Now, when people would like to learn more about you guys and what you do, where where can they find more information? Just go to our website, nordictourismcollective.com. And LDM, even even a couple of pictures of me and Paul are on there, so they can see how little hair I have and how how <laughs> handsome Paul is. Um, and they can uh, they can see um, they can read about what we do. They can um, they can see all of the partners that we have, all the members, all our Nordic members, uh, all our hotels, our DMCs, our DMOs, our venues, attractions, all people who are members. They can see all of our worldwide source partners. Um, so we have uh, members around the world who are helping us collect data and collect give information. So anyway, that's the stories on our website. So if anyone wants to take a look, it's NordicTourismCollective.com. Well, thank you very much for sharing your journey. And uh, I wish you all the best with, with you and the Nordics and the travel industry. And let's hope in this new normal, the Nordics really uh, will be uh, one of the destinations that everybody wants to wants to travel so thanks again and uh have a great day there in london yeah we echo that and thank you very much for the opportunity sato have a great evening thanks sato and thanks for keeping the nordics on it on everybody's mind and on the map we really appreciate everything you do and all the best to you thank you don't forget hit subscribes so you don't miss any episodes 
And if you enjoyed this podcast, I would appreciate if you would leave a quick rating and review. You can also find Nordic Insights on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for listening. Voi hyvin, hade sopra, take care.